Good morning. And in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome to episode 59 of Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Azagari. You stole my line. <laughs> and today, today we're talking about the Truman Show, obviously. If you don't know that from the quote I gave, then you should probably stop listening because we're going to be raving about this movie nonstop. Uh, absolute masterpiece in my eyes. Uh, Truman Show is a movie that I, I you know, was, was shown to me by my two older brothers at kind of a young age to where I couldn't totally wrap my mind around all the, you know, all the things that this movie's trying to say. And, you know, there was a few years where I, I didn't watch it. You know, it's a solid eight. I had it at four stars on Letterboxd. This movie, this movie's solid to me. And then I rewatched it for this, for this episode, for this show, picking out awards for it. And I was, I was just totally blown away. Peter Weir continues to just kind of shock me and, and blow me away as I, as I become an adult. Uh, this is a filmmaker that needs to be talked about more and the Truman show could be his masterpiece. Oof. I mean, this is a guy who has many potential masterpieces. Yes. Uh, one of which we've already done on this show. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm continually floored by the more, by uh, all the work I see from him and uh, the, this new side of Jim Carrey that I'm finally exploring. I've always been a huge fan of his, you know, comedic work, Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura, Liar, Liar. I love this shit, but I've only, it's only recently that I've really like looked into his dramatic work and Holy hell is he underappreciated in that department. His work in the Truman show may be his greatest performance uh, apart from maybe man on the moon, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, it's those two. Yeah. It's those two. This movie is so smart. It, predicts reality tv it's ahead of its time it's funny it's sad it's all over the map it's it's really a gem yeah it's it says uh you know it's it's tags and imdb right here are comedy and drama but if you really look into it this is like a fucking horror movie how like scary how scary this this scenario is if you put yourself into truman's shoes into truman burbank's shoes and this would just be one of the most terrifying, uh, you know, revelations someone could have in their life. That everything has been a show. Everything's been for a show. I've been watched my entire life. I've never had a moment of privacy. That, those are crazy things. And Jim Carrey, I mean, this is a guy who doesn't have a single Oscar nomination. And it's just a damn shame. <laughs> he's, he's really a, a gem. I couldn't believe that he's almost 60 years old. Uh, and he's just been kind of a big part of my life since I can remember. Uh, you already pointed out Dumb and Dumber. I, I think his role as Lloyd Christmas is one of one of the stronger, you know, uh, comedic performances I, I've ever really seen. He's so locked in <laughs> and so co so committed to, you know, the pumpkin pie haircut <laughs> and the you know the cardigan. You know, everything he's wearing is like. Uh, wearing and doing and saying it, it all just works so well. Every decision he makes works so well in that movie. And like you said, as you get older, you, you, you really watch these movies and you realize he's, he's a, he's like a true American gem. This guy, he's been in so many amazing movies and then his stuff here. And I'm glad you pointed out man on the moon already. How is he not nominated for either of those? It makes it makes no sense. His late '90s run right there is is just outstanding, and nothing to really show for as far as the Oscars go. But this movie obviously has 
plenty uh, of stuff to talk about because, you know, we're doing it on the show here has the best director nomination, best screenplay and best supporting actor. Didn't win anything, but uh, this is a really weird ceremony. This is where Shakespeare in love wins the the best picture gets the most awards. Um, I, I don't think that's the movie people think about when they think 1998. <laughs> no, it's not. And for good reason, there was some serious competition this year. And, and this is one of the cases where the wrong movie took the big award. I do want to point out that it is weird that Jim Carrey took home the globe for best actor drama this for this movie and was completely yeah. shut out of the Oscars. That n- almost never happens. Yeah. It's really rare to see someone, like you said, win for the drama category and not even be nominated. Really, really silly. Um, I, I, you know, of course I want to talk about some individuals that are, that are nominated. There's a couple performers that have some stuff. Uh, of course, Peter Weir and uh, the, the writer for this movie, Andrew Nichol, this is his only nomination ever. So pretty interesting stuff, but we are going to be talking about some legends today. But I think, I think Jim Carrey is the best place to start just kind of why he's not nominated. What, like, what is the reasoning? Is to, Does the Academy not understand how good he is? <laughs> it, it just doesn't really make any sense. Do you think that it, it, it took people especially like the Academy, do you think it just kind of took them too long to realize, Hey, he isn't just Lloyd Christmas and Ace Ventura. And, you know, he's not just in the mask and these, you know, straight through and through comedies. Do you think they just like, what happened? Did they just miss it? I think the Academy has always uh, discounted comedy. Comedy and horror have always been widely ignored by the Academy. And if you come up in either of those genres as like a prominent comedic actor, prominent horror actor, they're going to just look at you with disdain. I mean, Jim Carrey, you know, talks out of his butt in Ace Ventura. He's immediately dead to the Academy, no matter what else he does. I do think that they are that fucking old and ridiculous. That yeah. They hold anything against an actor that doesn't make them look impeccable. And I think Jim Carrey has unfortunately fallen under that umbrella. It's, it sucks and it's completely unfair, but it does happen. I think that's I think that's why Adam Sandler wasn't up for Uncut Gems as well. Yeah, I agree. I think yeah, I think Sandler definitely should have been nominated for Punch Drunk Love and Uncut Gems. And same same reasoning. I agree with you. Uh, it's frustrating as hell. And this is a guy that clearly means a lot to you and I. Uh, were you able to watch that documentary? Uh, the one on Netflix, Jim and Andy: The Great Beyond. Yeah, I have I was that was fascinating. I watched that immediately after I watched Man on the Moon. And I, I was floored that Jim Carrey essentially erased himself for the duration of Man on the Moon. And I think still today is struggling to go back to 100%. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I think there's some truth to that. He, he, I think multiple times, and this, this being the biggest, Man on the Moon playing Andy, I think he like lost chunks of himself to where he, he's so goddamn creative and such a you know unique mind I, I i do think that when you go to a certain length it's gonna it's gonna take a toll on you mentally when you try to come back to you know you gotta respect that though <laughs> you have to respect that that craft that commitment because you did it with all kinds of roles you know not just that that was just the one that was the most extreme yeah and then immediately after he goes and does the grinch it yeah. the guy really had just nonstop charisma and stamina when it came to his performances. I don't, you know, I, I think he's underappreciated. I think that everyone just kind of looks at him as a clown 
And that's not fair. Uh, no, not at all. Oh. That's yeah. I, I, I can't, I can't stand that. He's one of the most important guys of that generation because of the, the, like you said, just jumping around to different genres, doing different things. Uh, and he's so good as the Grinch. God, he's so good. <laughs> that movie's still good because of him. Uh, yeah, I, I love the guy. I, th- I think it's right to kind of open up this, you know, show. It's Oscar Sunday, and he doesn't have anything to show for as far as an Oscar resume. But I think you just got to talk about him. He's we've we've done this before with people where it's kind of like, look, we're going to bring them up right away, kind of get it out of the way because we're going to be talking about him later. I'm sure when we bring up our awards. Uh, but he, sh- he should be here. He should be up for best actor. It's probably should have won. Uh, so just very, very frustrating. But the director, we'll, we'll bring him back in, into play. Peter Weir, the Australian sensation. He is, <laughs> he's a guy who started in the 70s making these kind of niche movies that are fucking gritty and have their own, you know, really their own flavor. And then he flourishes into a guy who, is the mind behind master and commander, (laughs) you know, like it's so crazy how his, his career, he's just gotten better and better and better. I, I, I love this guy's career and I love his Oscar resume because there's movies that we've brought up before. Uh, the first one being witness, he was nominated for best director, 1985, uh, dead poet society. We did, I believe episode nine on dead poet society, 1989. Very, very important movie to both of us. And just, I could talk about it all day. Uh, Green Card, he's nominated for Screenplay, 1990. He's nominated for Best Director, Truman Show, 1998. And then he's nominated for Best Director, uh, Master and Commander. And he was a producer on Master and Commander, which was also up for Best Picture. So there's six nominations there. No wins, but a, but a, a true true talent. Uh, and there's, there's other stuff that's not here. You know, I, I recently... Oh, not that recently. It was a while back now, but I watched on Criterion, the Criterion channel, I watched 1979, The Plumber. And you, know, you go into it, oh, here's a Peter, Peter Weir movie. And it's in Australia, you know, and it's just completely different from anything I've seen by him, you know, completely its own thing, its own flavor. And I, I just, I, I can't get enough of him. I, I want to see everything. You know, I, Green Card is one I haven't seen. I got to get to it. I got to see this movie. He's on that level for me. Uh, I think... I was telling you, I, I was texting you yesterday, I believe. And I was talking about how, you know, guys like Peter Weir and Michael Mann, they just become so important to me as I get older. Cause I realize, Oh, just cause people don't talk about them the way we talk about Spielberg and Hitchcock and Tarantino and Spike Lee and all these different guys. These guys are fucking good at their job. Fucking good. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I love the unsung directors, the guys who make the masterpieces but you don't know their names unless you look for them. And Peter Weir is one of those guys straight up. I mean, <laughs> Witness, Dead Poet Society, and The Truman Show, those alone, one of those, you know, you know, as a filmmaker, you make one of those and you are, you know, considered a great. But to all of those, and of course, Master and Commander has been on my list for years. I'm, I'm, I really, I got to get to that film. You're going to. You're going to be shattered. You're, you're going to love that movie. <laughs> that's That's like, right up connor connor street um i i love it it's it's so damn good and i would love to do it on the show one day but you you i know specifically would be a huge fan of this film well one thing i noticed about peter weir he is so good at utilizing non-dramatic actors in dramatic performances you know harrison yes. ford 
uh, Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, to an extent, I think Russell Crowe early on in his career, mm-hmm. you know, mostly for Gladiator. But why is that? I mean, this guy can harness drama from essentially, you know, rocks. <laughs> <laughs> the guy is so good at that. I don't know what it is, but it's something that nobody's talking about and we, we should. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I echo that completely, Connor. I, I think, I think it's a true talent to be able to bring the very best out of people. That, that's their, that's like a, a really, really good basketball coach knows how to, you know, get a guy who's normally shooting threes all the time to also play defense, you know, like that, that's really, really important. And Peter Weir clearly has, has that gift of, Hey, I am my own mind. I'm my own director. Come work with me and we'll, we'll, we'll make, we'll make magic. Uh, you, you just, as a movie fan, you know, you and I, we get chills over that stuff. That's, that's, that's what we kind of keep coming for. You know, <laughs> that's why we keep watching movies. And with him, it's kind of like, you can't go wrong. Just pick something from his filmography. You're probably going to have something fun to say about it. Yeah, and even then, it's there's not a lot of films. He's, he has not done a lot of films. Like, yeah, he's, he's more he's more like a uh, more like a Paul Thomas Anderson, right? Where it's just a select group of you know like nine or ten. That that's what he's got. Yeah, quality over quantity. I wish more filmmakers thought like that. Yeah, unfortunately, that's just not not uh, not how it goes for a lot of guys, and a lot of a lot of people want to chase that chase that money. Uh, have you seen the way back? I have not. I, have, I haven't seen this way back. I've seen the Ben Affleck way back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, you'd like that movie too. That's a good one. Cool. Very cool. Love, love it. Love, love talking about these kind of filmmakers. Uh, one of my, one of my favorite parts of uh, anything we've done with film gasm is highlight these people who just, just, you know, in, in the right circles, and I'm sure there's someone listening who's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Peter Weir's the man. We know that. It just seems like with most general movie fans, he kind of goes under the radar and it's not a name that gets brought up. And we, we want to change that here. Um, now, these two performers that I want to talk about next are both people I, I, I just did not give credit where it's due until more recently when I started you know, doing the shows with you, you know, the past couple of years, um, watching a lot more stuff. And that's, that's Ed Harris and Laura Lenny. Uh, good God. I thought Ed Harris was just one of those guys, you know, as when I was growing up, I was, Oh, there's that scary dude, you know, bald guy who just kind of, no, this guy is wicked, wicked talented and really pushes Truman show to a whole nother level just because of how evil he is as Kristoff is, is like a genius villain. Uh, Cause most villains, you know, are going to, you know, walk a certain way, talk a certain way, do this or that. This, this performance, this character is like, so original and so cool, but he's evil as shit. <laughs> and, and Ed Harris just knocks it out of the park. Yeah. He's a man who has manipulated another man's entire life for the sake of art. He truly believes that he is making his masterpiece. And that is a dangerous son of a bitch. When you, you know, when you get in an artist's way of making their masterpiece, you're going to see them react to it. And in this case, you've got the ultimate dark version of that. Like the scenes when Kristoff's, you know, doing the interview and uh, Natasha, I don't know how to say her last name. Uh, what Sylvia calls, calls in yeah. and is like, how can you live with yourself? And he's like, Oh, I'm, 
because it's the, it's where he's supposed to be. He firmly uh, believes that he has done the right thing. And that is scary. Like, oof. I love gosh, that. right? Yeah, that he's convinced himself after 10,000 days. <laughs> no, this is, this is the right thing to do. I've created Sea Haven is the way the world's supposed to be. Yeah. Ugh, ugh. <laughs> what the fuck? And, and, you know, now it's become a part of my language. Uh, like, if I go somewhere, a neighborhood that's creepy, I'm like, oh, this is like the Truman Show. <laughs> This is fucking Sea Haven all over, you know. I, I've been to a few neighborhoods that are kind of like that. They're their own communities, and it's just bizarre. And that's I call back to this movie because it does it the best. <laughs> that's fantastic. I love that. Yeah, um, so cool. Ed Harris is a big part of why this movie works the way it does. Uh, I, I think if that performance gets kind of fucked up, it could fuck up the whole movie. You know, it could really throw everything into just like a spiral. But he he pulls it off. The Christoph with the the hat, the glasses, <laughs> everything's perfect. Uh, he, he's been nominated four times. Three supporting nominations and one best actor. Uh, that would be Apollo 13, 1995, supporting. Uh, Truman Show, 1998, supporting. Uh, Pollock, 2000, that's his best actor, his lead role. And then he was nominated again, his last one, uh, 2002, The Hours, supporting. I mean, that's the kind of shit I just had no idea about, you know, a few years ago. I just had no idea. Had no idea this guy, oh shit, he's stacked up all of these, man. And then and then he's able to, you know, do shit like in HBO's Westworld and like all these different, like, man, this guy's fucking everywhere. Yeah. My introduction to him was National Treasure too. Yeah, there that was that was probably mine as well. I mean, what were we like 10, 11? So yeah. Yeah. And I just thought, like, oh, this guy's a cool bad guy. And then I watched more movies and I'm like, oh, Ed Harris. All right, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. And yeah, he is like one of those, you know. He's a great actor who I feel like, you know, doesn't do a lot of press, doesn't do a lot of, you know, the Hollywood shit. He just does his own thing. And I think because of that, he's not as, you know, well-known as, say, like Will Smith or Johnny Depp. But he's a very talented actor. I fucking love him in The Rock. Oh, dude. (laughs) Perfect, morally gray villain. He's good at that. He's very good at morally gray villain. Oh, yeah. I I mean, he's, yeah, in a history of violence, a beautiful mind. Uh, I love him in, uh, uh, I just had one in my head, uh, a little bit older, The Firm, yeah, with Tom Cruise. God damn, like, he, he, State of Grace, he's fantastic in. Uh, And there's, you know, I haven't seen, I haven't seen Pollock. I haven't seen him play Jackson Pollock. I got to see that. Like, there's, there's stuff, there's so much stuff here on his, 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 his IMDb. It's, Man, I, I kind of want to see every <laughs> everything that's in here. He's awesome in Nixon, uh, 1995. Uh, I yeah, I I've grown to kind of love this guy. And like you said, he's kind of doesn't take any shit. He's not like you said, does not succumb to the typical Hollywood you know noise. So I I, I respect him a whole lot. And I I'll, I would look to kind of cast him in one of my movies because he can do anything. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I know Pollock was like a passion project of his. He directed that too. He mm-hmm. like disappeared into that man. And as much as I don't care for, you know, Jackson Pollock's work, I do want to see that film because I do care for Ed Harris's work. Exactly. And, and then by that, this is the, my favorite, favorite thing about movies is, okay, well maybe then after seeing that, maybe then I'll be interested in his work. You know, it's, that's like the beauty of what we do consistently watching stuff. And then, 
wait, why am I all of a sudden interested in this? You know, like uh, you and I did a really, really fun episode on Moneyball. It's like, why do I care about the fucking Oakland A's, you know, <laughs> from the early 2000s? Oh, because this movie kicks ass. <laughs> it, it can happen. <laughs> well, oh, man, that would be a miracle. I, yeah. <laughs> Jackson Pollock, I think, is the most overrated motherfucker. Uh, n- not the time. Not the time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll save that for, we'll save that for when we do it uh, <laughs> on the show. Uh, now, Laura Linney is in the exact same category. She just, I just had no idea, had no idea. And it really took a show that I'm not even that big of a fan of for me to kind of, okay, wait a minute. I think I've seen her in more stuff than I realized. And it was, it's Ozark. Oh, and she's acting alongside Jason Bateman in that show and just think she's fucking awesome in it. It's again, not a show that I love, but she's great in it. And it kind of, okay, now I need to learn about her. Now I need to know what's going on. And then I see, you know, she's works alongside my favorite actor of all time and the savages, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. She's, you know, able to play sister, wife, this, that kind of evil per- She can kind of do everything just like Ed Harris. Uh, I think she is fucking amazing in the squid and the whale. Uh, alongside Jeff Daniels, like holy shit, those two both should have been nominated. And it, it, they're they're just going toe to toe that whole film, and I, I love it. She she's she's won me over in the same way Ed Harris has done the past few years. That's awesome. Uh, I think I first saw Laura Linney in the final few episodes of Frasier. Yeah, there you go. Nice Char- call, Charlotte, the uh, matchmaker that Frasier falls in love with. Uh, yeah. Even then, I was like, "She's she seems too good for TV." <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> that was at a time when you know TV wasn't amazing. Yeah, TV wasn't the the number one thing because now TV is like surpassing movies as far as what people want to work on, and it sucks. But it's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah, to me, it's you know, it's it's pre pre Breaking Bad television and post Breaking Bad television. Yeah, oh, for sure. I think there's a a raise in quality. Yeah, because you got The Sopranos, 99 to 2007. Then right after that, Breaking Bad, 2008, 2013. Uh, In the middle of that is Mad Men. In the middle of that, right before that is The Wire. TV was like at a golden age. And then people realized, wait, this is this is the place where you can churn out more stuff. You know, do do more episodes, kind of stretch things out. And actors are like, hey, I have a really consistent job here for seven seasons. So you know, it, it, it just, it makes sense. I just wish movies were always on top. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just respect any actor who goes into a project because of, you know, they want to explore a character. They go in there for the right reasons. And I like when a, like a character actor gets to do TV because they get to explore so many different facets to a, to a character that they don't really get to do in film. Like, yeah. you know, I'm in the middle of a Sopranos rewatch right now. And I can see that in this show, you know, all these characters get explored to the nth degree. And you wouldn't get that in a movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. No, that's, that's uh, one of my favorite conversations is like, you know, I like to ask people, what do they, what do they prefer? Which kind of art form do they prefer? And there's pros and cons. Like you just pointed out, I, I will always side with a thing that is harder to do. And I think movies are, are, I just do. I just think like making an hour and 45 minute or two hour movie that clicks and works and makes sense and is effective, I think is one of the hardest things to do in, in, in all of art. I, I think it's so difficult 
to do something like this, to make the Truman Show, to make something that lasts like this, same year, 1998, Big Lebowski, to do that, if you can do that and give, some, give people a cultural piece that's two hours, we know exactly what it is. There's nothing better to me. But TV, like you said, has this way of, oh man, I can get to know, you know, Tony and Chris and these different characters from The Sopranos just like for eight episodes. You know, they can each get their like eight or nine standalone episodes. And all the while, James Gandolfini is just kind of there the whole time. So it's always good, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I do love that. I love, you know, character development and character building, but there's just nothing better to me. I can't, I won't ever be able to properly explain it, but there's just something magical about making a, a film really work and be effective and last as long as something like the Truman show. You know, this is, this movie's over 20 years old and it just doesn't skip a beat. It's aged so well. I'm right there with you, man. I think film is sacred. I think it's making a, a movie that lasts is almost impossible, but yeah, it happens. And when it does happen, you, you treat it like a diamond. It's, infallible mm-hmm. it's exciting it's new every time and yeah. i love that there's so much shit out there so yeah and there's more every day yeah that's why we look for the truman shows because those are the ones we're gonna you know keep rooting through the shit to find there's a reason we just keep going because yeah the gems are worth it yeah you yeah you have what's eating gilbert gape last week okay then you get you get you get a, a, a damn near masterpiece right here. So it, it is it is exactly why we keep going, keep pushing through, and watching stuff nonstop because you just you just never know when you're going to be kind of rocked by something. Uh, and that, that's you know I have work to do with Laura Lenny. Um, I haven't seen You Can Count on Me or Kenzie. Uh, she was nominated for Best Actress in a Lead Role and Supporting for those movies, and then she was nominated for a film I mentioned earlier, The Savages, Best Actress in a Lead Role. Again, she's her and PSH are just exquisite in that movie. Uh, I, I have I have my homework to do with her, but I I remember seeing her in Mystic River and thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like I had I, I had one of those moments. How the hell is this not nominated? You know, Mystic River got all this shit, but not this. You know, uh, she she's so good. She's she kind of shows up in everything she's in, and uh, I, I love that. By talking about her, we we just had a tv verse movie discussion that's that's fantastic clearly she's doing the right thing <laughs> beautiful Hell yeah. good stuff uh there, there's no other performers unless you want to bring someone up that is just special to you uh well those are, the only about, per, those, those are the only performers that were up i believe what about academy award nominee paul giamatti oh jesus yeah christoph's right hand man yeah i i had i had i had him written down right here too yeah how could i forget my my guy who's also also a total chameleon and has done so much tv so many movies you know he's outshined guys like russell crowe and cinderella man you know and outshined guys like ed harris at times in the truman show like he's he's so unique and so good thank you for that shout out (laughs) because i was about to move on to the uh, cinematographer (laughs) absolutely yeah paul paul giamatti is a guy who seems like he's been there forever he pops Mm. up in everything um (laughs) uh Earlier today, I called him the white Samuel Jackson. That's that's perfect. Yeah, that <laughs> that makes sense in my in my mind. I to, totally get why you, <laughs> why you made that connection. It's just it's yeah, like just like 
I think he's been in two movies I saw this year already. Uh, and I'm, I'm always excited to see him because he always brings it. Uh, yes. Yeah. Ever since I saw, um, I think Sideways was my first. Ah, oh, tells you four. So good. Oh, yeah. That's that's a film that is long overdue for a rewatch. Uh, super hilarious, but also very insightful film about, you know, depression and wine. So Yeah. Yeah. With some awesome performances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love Paul uh, Giamatti. Yeah. Get, yeah. Had to, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> got to bring that guy up. He and he he's got such a tough job here in this movie to to kind of convey the, the, you know, relationship he has with Kristoff uh, working together for again, 10,000 days. Uh, what it seems like on this, on this, this show, he, he, he conveys stuff that I just don't think many people could with the time he's given the screen time that Paul Giamatti's given and, and Ed Harris too, is just, they, they knock out of the park with the little stuff they're given. And that, that's always the key to these movies, right? Is, yeah, the first hour is fucking wonderful of the Truman Show because we're just watching Jim Carrey like figure this stuff out. But then we're introduced, you know, the villains, you know, the people who are controlling everything. Uh, and for the last 30 minutes of the movie, it is so intense. And I, I, I really love what, what Giamatti and Harris are doing together. God, man, to be in that control room. Yikes, that is so scary. <laughs> well, I love that Giamatti's character doesn't even have a name. He's control room director. And yeah, does, no, yeah, yeah, they don't even so, say his name. He does so much with just that. Just, you know, that little moment where he's like, you can tell he doesn't want to flood the the boat and he just is like shaking his head at Kristoff. Like he wants to say something, but you don't, you know, when God tells you to jump, to jump you say how high. And, yeah, so, how am I going to say no to God? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Frightening stuff. Frightening stuff. So yeah, what a cool cast, you know, Jim Carrey, Ed Harris, Laura Lenny, Paul Giamatti, like sign me up, dude. It doesn't matter what genre we're going for. I, I'm in. Uh, that's that's fantastic stuff. And, and again, all these people are kind of can kind of do anything. So, a lot of respect for the cast. Uh, this cinematographer, Peter Bizzu, uh really weird career. Really weird. Uh, did a lot of movies I haven't really heard of, but won the Oscar for best cinematography for Mississippi Burning. You know. Gene Hackman and Willem Dafoe, you know, I need, 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 need to see this movie. <laughs> uh, this one of those that we, you and I have talked about plenty of times on this show. There's just kind of like a never ending list in your brain. And it, this is definitely high up on that list. Uh, when I saw this, I was like, oh, that's crazy. It's his one nomination and he won for it. Uh, you look down his IMDb, his, his main credits are Mississippi Burning, The Truman Show time bandits and unfaithful what in the world <laughs> crazy time bandits that that movie is such a gem it's one of the weirdest movies of all time it's pure terry gilliam and yes yeah I, yeah it's one i gotta put on the filmgasm podcast at some point that would be such a fun movie gilliam is good god that talk about another guy who I just have a whole different appreciation for as I've gotten older and after seeing, you know, Brazil and realizing he's the guy behind fear and loathing and all this stuff, just, man, this guy's a fucking freak. <laughs> he's, 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 he's really got his own, his own touch, you know? Um, and that, yeah, I, I, I thought that was hilarious. Like, look at these people that 
this cinematographer has worked for, <laughs> you know, these different movies. So I, he has my interest with just how bizarre uh, the resume is. Oh yeah, absolutely. M- Monty Python's life of Brian. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what the hell? <laughs> That's this, cool. Uh, yeah. I, I love finding out about these people, man. You know, uh, we, we had a real crazy moment on uh, the Awakenings episode when we learned about Anton First, the production designer who took his own life shortly after that movie came out. And this is why, why we do what we're doing on Oscar Sundays. We're both learning a shit ton and trying to figure out, you know, kind of the, what's the material that makes the cloth that we love so much? What, what is it? What's, what's the little stuff from point A to point B? How do we get there? Uh, you and I don't care about just the end result. We care about the little journeys that, that it takes. And these people are what make a film. You know, you, 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 yeah, you have your director. Yeah. You have Jim Carrey, but you absolutely need these people to be working their asses off for it to work. Um, and quite possibly the most uh, experienced person on this film is, is the editor. It's the film editor. And that's Lee Smith. I, I've not been more impressed by a resume in a long, long time. Um, just right up, just right off the bat. Inception, Dunkirk, The Dark Knight, 1917. What in the fuck? <laughs> How did I not know who this guy was? <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, it's insane. It's insane. Like what he's what he's been able to do. Uh, I'll just go down the line. 1917. I'll go from now until earlier in his career. X Men, Dark Phoenix. Yikes. Uh, Spectre, Interstellar, Ender's Game, Elysium, Dark Knight Rises, X-Men First Class, The Way Back, Inception, The Prestige. Clearly him and Nolan have something going. Uh, Batman Begins, Master and Commander, uh, The Rage in Placid Lake, <laughs> Black and White, Buffalo Soldiers, uh, Risk, Two Hands, The Truman Show, Joey, Lillian's Story, Fearless, Blinky Bill, The Mischievous Koala, <laughs> Turtle Beach, Robocop 2, Communion, Howling 3, and Dead End Drive-In. Dead what end the hell? What the hell? <laughs> that was a weird one. One of the earliest reviews Josh ever sent me. Some oddball Australian, like mm-hmm. horror movie. Holy shit! Love connecting those dots. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, no kidding. And uh, this is a guy who's who's from Australia. Clearly, him and Peter Weir, they're both Australian. They they got a connection, and he clearly has a relationship with Christopher fucking Nolan, one of the most popular directors of the past twenty years. So, this dude. This dude worked a lot, has worked a lot on massive, massive films and some that I really, really love. You know, I'm very fond of Don Kirk and this 1917 blew me away. Uh, this, this guy fucking kicks ass. Oh, straight up. I'm, my God. Uh, I mean, he's had some, you know, some bumps, but I don't blame the editor yeah. for why Dark Phoenix is a piece of shit. <laughs> neither, neither do I. Neither do I. It, it, editing, um, you know, you have to have stuff to work with first. (laughs) So, you know, I can't really blame him for that one. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, those are the resumes I see. And I'm like, what in the world, you know, how, how do I, how do I not know these people? Well, it's because they they don't tell us about it. Oh man. That's awesome. That is a hell of a resume. My God. Yeah, truly. And, and, you know, this guy is no walk in the park either. Uh, Dennis Gassner. Uh, he's the production designer in the Truman Show. Um, listen to these. Uh, he's nominated for Best uh, art, Decor- art Direction, Barton Fink, 1991. Also nominated for, well, he actually won this one, also in 1991, Bugsy, 
what the hell hmm. <laughs> a movie you and i watched for the first time not too long ago uh nominated for road to perdition 2002 come on uh we got the golden compass 2007 into the woods 2014 blade runner 2049 2017 and 1917 2019 good good night <laughs> what a crazy uh, all kinds of different movies uh, uh into the woods is the only one i haven't seen so uh but all the others i i, I have definitely feelings for good god this guy has worked with the coen brothers a lot yeah yeah i noticed that yeah <laughs> that's fantastic skyfall specter quantum of solace some bond movies there that's nice yeah, the man who wasn't there. Oh, brother, the lady killers, the grifters. One of my favorite nineteen ninety movies. Uh, Miller's Crossing as well. Yeah, it's just a hitcher. Holy shit! Yeah, dude. Yeah, Earth Girls are easy. Oh my god, that is a deep cut. Wow. Oh, that that nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever seen that? No, I haven't. I've heard, I've definitely heard about it. <laughs> yeah, fucking Jim Carrey, Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, and Marlon Wayans, or Damon Wayans. Perfect. Perfect. And- they're, yeah, they're fucking aliens who show up. It's crazy. It's such an odd movie, but really funny. Charles Rocket plays a, a doctor who's cheating on his wife, and he's like, he walks in. He thinks he's about to walk in on his, um, like, the girl he's sleeping with, but it's his wife, and he's like, here comes Dr. Love. It's so stupid, <laughs> but it's so funny. <laughs> oh, jeez. I love that. I love that. This is great. This is why we do this shit, man. <laughs> I did not think I'd be talking about that movie today. No, no. You, you, you didn't think you're going to be able to talk about Christopher Nolan uh, and, and the Coen brothers and fucking Earth Girls are easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I love Oscar Sunday. <laughs> I love, love doing this show. Uh, these, these are the individuals I have for today. Um, there's, there's no one else I could really find. I was just blown away uh, by by Lee Smith and Dennis Gassner. I was just like, what? How? These people need to be known. People need to know who these guys are. They've worked on amazing movies and are important pieces to what goes on uh, at large. So just got to shout them out. That's what we do here. Well, I'd say that like the production design, especially on this film, is so oh. complex because it has to look real and look fake at the same time. And yes, amazing. <laughs> yes, they have to basically make the Leave it to Beaver Town but make it look like it's still being built. It's yes. It was such a great like balance they found. I, I'm, I'm very impressed with that. Yeah, man. Yeah. The, what's happening in this movie is just kind of mind blowing when you really try to sit and wrap your head around it. Every little thing matters, you know, it matters to us as the audience, but it really matters to the people working the movie for it to work. Uh, yeah. So damn good. Uh, is there is there anybody else you want to talk about before we kind of go over these 71st Academy Awards? No, but I do want to point out that I think that this movie led to the like discovery or the name of an actual uh, mental condition where people do think that they are constantly being watched by an audience, that they are the star of their own movie. Like that's an actual mental condition now. And the Truman Show, I think, gave it a name. So... That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's a part of the culture's DNA at this point. Uh, just what it means, how 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 kind of impactful it is to people. I was reading reviews on Letterbox today, and it, it, you know people love it on there. Uh, it has like a four point one overall. 
it like brought me to tears listening, reading people talk about how it helps them with anxiety, helps them kind of cope with stuff. It just, it just means so damn much to some people. And I kind of put myself in that category, you know, where it, it, it's, it's not a, well, it is and it isn't. It's like not comforting at all, but it also is, you know, it kind of goes right in the middle of that kind of slices you kind of slices you down the middle and you have no choice, but to kind of feel all the emotions they're, they're kind of feeding you. Uh, I'm, I certainly love when a movie does that. Oh, it's beautiful. There's some moments in this film that are soul crushing, but yeah. there's also moments that are just fucking hilarious. Like when Truman's just like testing the boundaries of this potentially fake world, he's still not sure, but he's trying shit. That's hilarious. Yeah. There's little touches in this movie that I, I, I just forgot. I just forgot how kind of precise it is. And, and Jim Carrey, when, like you said, when he's, when he's, when he goes up to those two guys that are always walking past him, he's like, how about right now? They're like, Oh, next week would be better. He's like, all right, something to look forward to. <laughs> God <laughs> damn it. This is so good. But he's, but he's figure, he's having a revelation right now that I couldn't even handle mentally. I couldn't even handle it. So yeah, hats off to him. Good God. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Cause this film's been on my radar for the past week. You know, I've been thinking about it. I've been asking people about it and I've had conversations with people about, you know, what if you found out that your entire life was a lie, that everyone you've ever known was lying to you, that you're the star of a show you've never heard of. Like, it's amazing how, you know, Truman Burbank handles that because I would, I'd be broken mentally. That would break me. I would, I wouldn't be able to function, but he takes it as a challenge of like, it's my life. I'm taking it back. And I hats off. Yeah, yeah. So many, so many people would crumble, but Truman Burbank takes it head on, takes it head on, and ultimately gets the win at the end. So just fucking spectacular. I, how the fuck was this not up for Best Picture? Like, what? Where the hell are we? What are we doing? The movies, you know, Shakespeare in Love went. It's not a bad movie, but it is, it is just not very memorable. Uh, you also have Elizabeth, Life is Beautiful, Saving Private Ryan, and The Thin Red Line. Like. How does it not find a spot in there? It just blows my mind. It was World War II versus Elizabethan England for some reason that year. I don't know what the hell. Yep. And, you know, you have you have Life is Beautiful in there. Big deal. You know, Italian movie that gets into that best picture group. That's really cool. But I, I, I've, I've seen that. I, I've actually seen all of these except for Elizabeth. Um, just to me, none of them touch what Truman show. I, Saving Private Ryan, I know it has a, you know, it's a big Spielberg one. It's a real important Tom Hanks role, but I, I, I like it. But Truman show is like a, is just, I don't see how someone could watch that not be thoroughly entertained. Yeah, I get it. I, I don't know. I think this year they were just, like I said, you know, you got two Elizabethan England movies versus three World War II movies. That's, yeah. that's odd. I mean, throw something else in there for some balance at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I don't know. There, there's, there's a lot of movies from 98 that I really, really love. Uh, you know, of course I would say the most culturally, especially here in America, uh, most culturally relevant movie is Big Lebowski. And it's just nowhere to be found. Um, what a damn shame, you know, right off the, right off the heels of Fargo and they just, just totally deny it. Uh, you know, the award circuit was like, no, nah, 
that's not good enough when actually it's probably their best movie. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the, probably the Coen's masterpiece and you guys just were just too dumb to see it. Uh, that happens too often. Yeah, and I've got some, you know, some action horror films that are some favorites of mine from 98, like Blade, The Mask of Zorro, <laughs> Small Soldiers, The X-Files yeah. movie. So 98's a good year for genre films as well. Yeah, it, it has a... Uh, one of my very favorite Pixar movies of all time, A Bug's Life. Uh, also has one of my favorite other animated movies, uh, Kirikou and the Princess. Yeah, there's, there's stuff everywhere in 98. I, I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm sure there's movies we're missing that we both love. But uh, regardless, all those movies, like The Truman Show, it, it, it deserves a best picture slot. You know, sometimes movies I love, I don't know if they quite deserve that, you know, that kind of spot. But the Truman Show, it's like, what? It's right there in front of you. I, I kind of get Big Lebowski not being up for Best Picture. I just think it should have been up for other stuff. But the Truman Show, there is no, you know, there is no answer for why it's not there. It's just, just stupid. Yeah, I'm with you, man. It's, it's it doesn't make sense. No, not at all. But I do want to go through the categories it was in. Um, you want to? What do you want to start with? Let's start with uh, original screenplay. Let's do it. So we've got uh, Bullworth by Warren Beatty and Jeremy Pixer. Life is Beautiful by Vincenzo Cerami and Roberto Benini. Saving Private Ryan by Robert Rodat. The Truman Show by Andrew Nichol. And the winner, Shakespeare in Love by Mark Norman and Tom Stoppard. Uh, this 100% should have gone to The Truman Show, I think. Uh, screenplay? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's... Uh, a movie that has a ton of strong points. It's one of its strongest is, is how effective the screenplay is. Uh, I don't know what I love most about the screenplay. Do I love the big, big monstrous ideas that it has? Or do I love the little, little things that Jim Carrey's doing? You know, it, it has both. It has kind of like the other little bit of the just slapstick bullshit that I just love in movies. And it also has these, whoa, mind boggling ideas and you know presents it so well, uh, man. This I I I, for, I just forgot how like much the shit pops with him and Noah Emmerich. Uh, good God, you know I, I just that went over my head when I was younger. Uh, just how strong those little things are. Uh, and then yeah, the stuff with Kristoff where he's saying this stuff is huge. You know, it's big philosophical ideas and topics, and it again how this movie's only an hour and 40 minutes is, is a true feat. <laughs> yeah. It tells a very strong and concise story of identity and like one's place in the universe in just an hour 40 with an incredible cast and characters that all make sense. Like why did this not win screenplay? Shakespeare in love is a melodrama that is not a bad film, but it's hardly an Oscar caliber movie. But it dominated, and I'll never really understand why. It's right. Yeah. It's like I said, it's good, but it ain't great. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's fine. It could be up for a couple things, but yeah, to just sweep the sweep the show is just kind of weird. Uh, now, I haven't seen Bullworth, but I, I, I Saving Private Ryan again. You know, solid. There's some really cool moments in that with some 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 of the screenplay, but. We've talked about this plenty on this show where there, there, there are movies that 
that that take the very art of screenplay uh, of what it is and how hard it is to write something within a certain amount of pages, send it in, get told, hey, you got to cut 20 pages out of that so it can work for the movie. To, to craft that correctly is very, very difficult. And then for it to last in the way that it has, where we are still saying some of the stuff from Truman Show 20 years, 22, 23 years later, we're still using it in our everyday conversation. That's, that's huge. That's, that's like, you know, very first episode we did on Oscar Sunday, Pulp Fiction. That's what it has going for it. It's still in our DNA. It's still a part of how we just talk. If you hear someone say what over and over, you're going to do the Samuel L. Jackson voice. Say what again, motherfucker. And with Truman Show, you're just, occasionally you're going to say, you know, good morning. And then you're going to follow it up with that. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's just going to happen. It's fucking genius. Anytime I hear Fiji, I think about the Truman Show. Uh, anytime I see these actors, actresses, I think about the Truman Show. It's like the source for everyone in it, everyone involved in it. It's like the source. And I, I, I'm with you. It, just, it totally should have won this award. Uh, kind of sucks when this happens. You know, we're, um, It might be its strongest suit. I think that and Jim Carrey are its strongest suit. And nothing to show for, for, for either of them. No win for either of them. Terrible. Yeah. It's a damn shame. But, you know, you've often said that, you know, the ones that don't win have sort of a, like a, like a glow about them. Yeah. The Citizen Kane effect. Yeah. 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 Where if you, if you lose, if you're Pulp Fiction and you lose to Forrest Gump, it's worked out better for you in the long run because now you can be the rebellious fuck you i'm actually better than you uh and i think citizen kane is the very first one where it was like oh well if citizen kane lost then i guess it doesn't really matter who lost because yeah a movie a lot of great movies have lost best picture even while being in the in the category yeah straight up straight up uh best director we mm. have roberto benini for life is beautiful john madden for shakespeare in love terrence malick for the thin red line Peter Weir for The Truman Show, and the winner, Steven Spielberg for Saving Private Ryan. This one, highly deserved by Spielberg. Fair enough. The direction in, in Saving Private Ryan is fucking impeccable. I mean, Omaha Beach alone is insane. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I, I really am surprised that didn't win Best Picture. I think everybody is at this point. But director, well, well-earned. That's fair. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. I think Peter Weir has something to say, but not not quite enough. Um, and you know, you know me, I'm a huge, huge Terrence Malick fan, but this is not this is not his best movie, in my opinion. I, I like it a lot. It's very, very long. <laughs> uh, it's a it's an extremely long movie and got some incredible stuff going on, but it's just not I, I prefer a movie like Saving Private Ryan, Spielberg, or Peter Weir, the Truman Show. These are movies that if you have a pulse, I'm not really quite sure how you can watch it and not be like, whoa. Yeah. But I, I totally get why someone wouldn't, wouldn't dig Terrence Malick or there's other direct, you know, I, I brought it up when we talked about 2001. Yeah. David Lynch is my guy, but I, I get why he didn't win for Mulholland Drive. I get it. I get it. It's not for everyone, you know, it's not. And I do think when a movie wins, it should be a consensus. This is what the people thought of 1998. And Steven Spielberg, like you said, that's kind of what people think about, you know? And if the Coens aren't there, then yeah, Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
And finally, best supporting actor. Here we go. Robert Duvall in A Civil Action. Ed Harris in The Truman Show. Jeffrey Rush in Shakespeare in Love. Billy Bob Thornton in A Simple Plan. And the winner, James Coburn for Affliction. Uh, this is an interesting bunch of... I love best supporting actor. It's my favorite category. It's the best. It is, it is the best category. Yeah. Just, you can go to any, any year and just pick those five and you're, you're, you're going to be, your brain's going to start moving in crazy places. Cause it's, it always brings a really interesting group of dudes. Uh, right, Billy Bob and a simple plan. Awesome. Jeffrey Rush, Shakespeare in love. Pretty good. Ed Harris. Wonderful. Robert Javal, Wonderful in a civil action. I have not seen affliction. How have I not seen this movie? Uh, I, I wanted to do it on the show uh, a few weeks ago. But I, I can't. I changed my mind for something else. But yeah, this is Paul Schrader. This is my guy. I, I gotta. I gotta see this movie. I remember. Yeah, you swapped out Affliction for something. I don't remember. I think I swapped it out for Boys in the Hood, nineteen ninety one. I believe that's what I ended. Yeah, because that was episode. That was episode forty nine. That was right before we did the Lord of the Rings. And I, I wanted to do something a little more well known. And Boys in the Hood is a movie that I, I had circled anyway. You know, to be able to really talk about John Singleton and just how awesome that movie is. And we ended up taking it to a whole different place, watching a bunch of 1991 movies. Uh, so yeah, lots of fun. That was, yeah, that was fun. Um, I've only seen the Truman show and Shakespeare in love. I have not seen these other three films. So. It's civil action. You, you, yeah, you'll dig that. Yeah. <laughs> and it, oh, a simple, pl- a simple plan is about as close to a Cohen movie that you can get without it being Cohen's, you know, I really respect that movie. I, I think that's a big reason why Billy Bob was then used by the Coens. Uh, that's just that's just my opinion. Well, that's Raimi's like crime thriller, right? And they came up together. So Correct. Sure he, you know, took a little inspiration from his you know college roommates. Yep. Uh, and then Civil Action. You know, I've I've always had a soft spot for Travolta. I don't know why, but I've always enjoyed his, especially his '90s run. So hell yeah. Well, it's, it's, it was, a uh, it was written and directed by Steve Zalian. So yeah, got to check it out at some point. Well, there, there you go. And J- James Gandolfini's in it. Yeah. You're going to love it. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And John Lithgow and Dan Hedaya and William H. Macy. What the fuck is, I got to get a hold of this now. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. 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 It is. It is definitely one I want to rewatch and I, yeah, I know you would love it. I think I might own it. I think I, I think I do. I don't know. You know, I get lost. <laughs> oh, you're telling me. Yeah. I, I, I like kind of thinking like, do I have that? Yeah, I have yeah. so fucking much. I'm not sure anymore. It's a nice feeling. You're like, oh yeah, Blu-ray and DVD. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> oh, this is the fourth time I bought this. All right. Yeah, I had that happen. Hey, oh, hey. Yeah, yeah. You've given me copies because you're like, oh fuck, yeah. <laughs> I've got three in the chamber for you right now. Like, I've been stockpiling. <laughs> I've got some from Caleb. Like, I've got a lot. Uh, a lot coming. <laughs> I love it. I'm always, I'm always game. Yeah, and I now I have. I finally made a Google Doc just called owned films <laughs> so i can yeah. finally keep track properly of what i have because god damn yeah it gets gets overwhelming <laughs> i've got my letterbox i've got my dvd collection list and my blu-ray collection list so there I you go always know isn't letterbox nice for just organizing and just kind of being able to put things in a place so you can quickly if someone's like what's your favorite movie from 1999 i'll tell you my top five actually <laughs> it, it's like it's gotten to the point where I am more excited about adding it to like adding a film to my like 1998 or 2002, like watched list on letterbox than I am about reviewing it on my own website. 
<laughs> I'm like, I get to put this in a nice square like yeah. list now. <laughs> yeah, just and there it is. I don't have to fucking touch it. Yeah, no, it really, it really is wonderful. I love Letterboxd. I like bringing it up on this show because I do think, uh, I think it's a cool place to go. Uh, you know, some people are fucking stupid on there, like any social media uh, thing, but. Uh, like today I was legitimately brought to tears just reading Truman show reviews that were like a paragraph long, you know, it's people just spilling, you know, their, their emotions about it. So cool. When I went to uh, see Caleb up in Washington, uh, we marathon the Halloween films, mm. bad ones really. And we would revel in reading the letterbox reviews of those and just listening to how people would just shit on these films. It was so fun. People got creative. It was great. We would look forward yeah. to that after each movie. Like, let's go through the letterbox reviews. Yeah, people people get real creative. Just and, and it's all for free. I'm like, oh man, this is too good of content. You know, <laughs> like, there there are people and there's a few people I follow that I, I I always go to them. You know, every couple of days to see what they what they've been watching, and because uh, it's usually similar to stuff that I, I'm watching as well. So and it's just hilarious to kind of have a a relationship with these people without having an actual relationship. It's just about movies. It's really cool. <laughs> it's yeah. Most of the relationships of my life that aren't blood are fucking built on movies. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, uh, you know, I've, I've realized that, that my favorite thing to do is to just, to just simply talk about the things I'm passionate about, you know, is movies, music. I love, love, love soccer and basketball. So getting to talk about that is, is a treat. And I, I saw a tweet, um, that my fiance was showing me, she, she said, well, look at this. This is perfect for you. She was like, uh, this tweet said from, it was, it was by this girl. She said, uh, guys have it so easy. They can just bring up an athlete or a movie star that they like and just rave about it and have the best times. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I, I, I used to live in Romania and the language barrier would, would stump me sometimes and then there were other times where all I would do is talk to maybe, you know, uh, another, another dude that's around my age. I'm talking to in Romania. I would just start naming soccer players and we would both be like, yeah, yeah. I love, yeah. Like that guy's awesome. You know, and that's how you start talking. And then you, you build a friendship that way. And then from then on, you, you try to learn each other's language. And it's like, well, that's, isn't that what's what humans being all, you know, what it's all about to just be a person and just kind of try to relate to people and, be kind and have fun you know <laughs> it's, it, it it really is easy for me to just to just have a good time talking about the stuff i love i'm yeah man i get it we've got some german family who come in from time to time um and i don't know a lot you know i i've i don't know them very well i haven't you know really gotten to talk in depth with them but they fucking love star trek <laughs> and that's how, that's how we talk really like i i can bring you know like I just started watching the original series and I can talk about that with them. And I pop culture brings people together, man. Art brings people together. It's hundred yeah, percent. Beautiful. Better, better than anything. Uh, it, it can like stop the world for a second. Uh, like a really, really good piece of art can like stop, can like stop the world and like make people kind of join hands, you know, or, or like uh, in school of rock. One of my favorite parts of that movie is when Freddie Jones goes up to Jack, goes up to uh, Dewey Finn. And he's like, one great rock show can change the world, man. <laughs> that also rest in peace to that actor. Uh, that, that, that guy who played Freddie Jones, he, he passed away recently. Oh. Sucks. That, that part of that movie has always been something that like, I've just carried with me since I was a child. It was 
uh yeah i was like i was like eight when that movie came out eight or nine and i i just like kind of carried that with me it's like yeah you really can like something is really good and people can hold on to it you can like really change things for a second and that that's fucking cool <laughs> that's really cool i i'm i'm all about being able to put my my own walls down to to enjoy that to expose myself to that uh and just kind of let it wash over me i love that feeling yeah i have been touched by your kids and i'm pretty sure i've touched yeah. them <laughs> oh my god <laughs> uh, it's pronounced oh. schnayblay <laughs> <laughs> i watched that oh. on the plane on the way home from washington beautiful beautiful it's just uh damn near perfect comedy <laughs> i love it so much uh well i think we can uh do our awards here and really really dig in a truman show and more stuff we love about it uh you know if you've been with us before thank you thank you for coming back if you haven't this is your first time welcome we have the tarantino award for best line or quote we have the ennio morricone award for best music moment we have the philip seymour hoffman award for best performance of the movie and we have the Roger Deakins for the best scene or moment of the movie. I'll let you take it away with your Tarantino. Good luck. So for my Tarantino, I have two. Uh, one line I've always loved from this movie. And then another one that caught me off guard. I was like, I like that. Just the implications of it. So I'm going to add that too. So my first one is so fun i laughed my i laughed my ass off it's truman's having his breakdown he's starting to wonder like who is in on this what is going on he's talking to his wife and his wife suddenly doesn't add for coffee oh (laughs) and he's like what the hell are you talking about who are you talking to what the hell does this have to do with anything tell me what's happening he just loses his mind like why are you doing a commercial what is going on (laughs) And just, yeah, if, if you don't know you're in a show and someone's doing a fucking ad break, you're going to be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> well, we have some hot cocoa. Yeah, yeah. God, oh. that's a genius. That's a genius bit. And, and, and that's, I, is that the same? Yeah, it's the same scene when she like grabs the knife and she's yeah. like, you're scaring me, Truman. And he's like, no, you're scaring me. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, perfect. Um, and then the other one was, I think the last line of the movie it's after Truman has gone through the door and the world has applauded him and the security guard just goes, let's see what else is on. Oh, dude, chills. Yeah. Like chills. The most popular show in history is, is over. So yeah, to Kristoff, his world is shattered. To Truman, his world is open. But to the rest of the world, eh, let's see what else is on. Crazy. Uh, oh, man, that, that touch, I think, is like, if you if you if you if you catch it, if you're really feeling the tone of it, it, it is saying something really big about people don't fucking give a shit. They're just move on, move on, next thing, next thing. Feed me, feed me, feed me. And speaking a lot about the outside outside of Sea Haven world, speaking a lot about just where we live and how kind of fucked up the way we think and the way we consume TV and movies and different things is just usually usually not in the right mind and had like zero appreciation. So those two guys just kind of dicking around and they're like, yeah, whatever, you know, we'll just move on to the next thing. It, it, it is a, a really good touch. I love that pick. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And 
I love how this, I spoken at the beginning about how this film kind of predicted reality TV and just massive consumption of entertainment and how we don't really think about like TV especially is so like, it's the, you know, it's fast food. It's just constantly thrown at you. You just absorb it without even thinking about it. And when you're no longer entertained, you fucking move on. It's parasitic. It's weird. It it is very odd. And it's, Definitely people just kind of as a whole, this is how people kind of like just deal with shit, just distract themselves. It's like, oh yeah, I'll just I'll just throw whatever on, you know, just have the TV on, kind of do whatever. No intent, no real, you know, reasoning for what they're doing. Uh and myself included. I've done that so many times where I'm just like, wait, what? What am I doing? Like, pay attention. <laughs> why <laughs> pay attention we- what you're watching. It's why we keep getting the same cop show and the same hospital show and the same school show and the same firefighter show all the fucking time. Cause people just don't care. It's stuff you just put on and just stare at. You don't even watch it. You stare at it. Exactly. Exactly. God, man. Oh. <laughs> so good. I definitely caught that when I was watching it, I was like, man, this movie is still throwing daggers, like still making me think. Uh, even after like one of the most you know incredible finales of all time, so great pick. Um, I definitely have s- some lines I really like. You know, s- st- stuff like you pointed out when he said, "What the hell is going on?" You know, the "Good morning" is is a, is is one of my favorites. Uh, but I was just I I was almost uh, angry during this scene, and it just kind of got the best of me. And it's a scene when Marlon and Truman are talking, just drinking some beers. And Kristoff uh, is in Marlon's ear, basically telling him what to say. Uh, and Noah Emmerich, good Lord, what a performance uh, as Marlon. This is a guy who's, this is an actor playing a real person who's acting in the movie. Fucking love when shit like that happens. And he is so good. Uh, he says, the point is, I would gladly step in front of traffic for you, Truman. And the last thing I would ever do to you. And there was a pause and Christoph feeds him the line and says, is lie to you. And then Marlon says, is lie to you. <laughs> oh, just the, that, 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 that control, that God, that God, like I'm going to control what happens. Even if it means fucking up this guy, you know, Marlon, if it, even if it means fucking up this guy's mental sanity, because I got to make sure that this character, if he's going to question all these people around him, question his wife, question everybody around him, he cannot question Marlon. Marlon has to be kind of like the last, he's the last stand. Uh, I would say Marlon is the one that Truman has the most difficult time kind of breaking through because yeah. Marlon's, Marlon's doing such a, he's so committed to like, no man, this is all, there is no it. You know, he says that at one point. If there were an it, I would be in on it. And there is no it. Like, man, I, Noah Emmerich is super underrated. Uh, he's my favorite part of uh, the show, The Americans on FX. He just fucking crushes it in that show. And I, 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 was, I was really surprised by how good he is in this movie. And some of the best lines are when he's being fed, basically by God. And then, and then you have uh, a whole bunch of thoughts that come after that about Kristoff. Is Kristoff the representation of what most directors are like in Hollywood, where they really do think they're playing God? Because filmmaking ultimately is like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna control things, and I'm gonna, 
kind of bend them at my will. Like that's, that's a tough place to go down. If you don't have the right ego, you can get really fucked doing that stuff. And Kristoff is clearly a fucked individual. Yeah. Or reminds me of a line from black Panther. You know, it's hard for Mm. a good man to be King. Mm. Or, or a bug's life. Uh, The first step of being a leader is realizing everything is your fault. Jesus. I love shit like that. (laughs) I was absolutely certain you were going to pick that line. I I was convinced like you're going to pick the moment where Truman and Marlin are talking and he's, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) That, that, that was, that was almost my deacons. That scene is like, there's a couple of scenes with, with Truman and Marlin that like, Whoa, this is some of the best stuff I've ever seen. Yeah, for sure. He's underrated as hell. And it is, you know, I mean, when your marriage is falling apart, when you're not sure about your your life and your place in the world, who do you always turn to? Who can you always rely on? Your best friend. Yeah. And when you don't even have that, when you're, I mean, Truman needs Marlon more than he needs anybody else on this in this world. And I love that, you know, Christoph exploits that because he yes. knows that. It's so twisted. And I love Marlon's little pause of like, you can tell in his eyes, like this is, fu-. he's like, he's thinking this is fucked up. This is really dark. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, like I, I actually need this beer because this is really fucked up. Yeah. God. Oh uh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy stuff. R- pretty, pretty infuriating, but just, yeah, it's what makes this movie move the way it does. Um, Enyo, Enyo Morricone, you know, we have, uh, Burkhard Dolwitz is the composer for this movie. No Oscar nominations, so we didn't bring him up earlier, but this score is fucking legit. Yeah. And um, the moment I chose is uh, when the score starts to get a little bit more triumphant. And it's when Truman starts to break the cycle. When he starts thinking like, hmm, what if I do this? And the music kind of goes with that. Like, you know, starts building towards something. And you can tell all the extras are like, you know, you know, what do we do now? This is, you know, we're improvising. We've never improvised before. What's, what do we do? <laughs> I love everyone's mm. terrible reaction to Truman. They're not even trying to hide anything at this point. Like, they're just like, we just got to get in the way. Like when he goes into the elevator and he sees the fucking craft service. Oh, <laughs> man. God. Or I, I love when he sees, sees the, his dad. Uh, and and those runners just show up. <laughs> He's like, ah, get out of the way. Yeah, I love all that. Oh, so good. One of my favorite little touches is when he goes to the travel agent and the travel agent lady walks in with a fucking makeup bib on because she's never had to do this before. She's <laughs> un- They've never had to do the travel agent place. So she's just like completely unprepared for this. <laughs> yeah, and th- those are the touches that within this movie that make it work. Cause you, you could have like a thousand questions about how does this all work? How does this all work? But they kind of just keep giving you little bits where it's like, Oh, that's how, that's how, that's how. Okay. It works. Cause it really fucking doesn't. It's actually a pretty half-assed production when Truman's not playing ball. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like million vanilli, uh, you know, until, you know, when they lost their actual singers. Yeah. Nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I chose the moment it's called drive the, the little track and it's when, it's when Laura Lenny and Jim Carrey are in the car and he's like, look at that same place. 
uh, he's like, what do you think? What do you think New Orleans is like this time of year? Mardi Gras. Huh? <laughs> and he's just screaming, going wild. And the music, you know, I, I was kind of listening to the score earlier today, trying to kind of, you know, pinpoint, because there's a lot of little moments where, yeah, it, it, it just matches exactly what you're feeling. But that that's like a wild track. At one point, there's some some weird like 80s guitar stuff going on. And I, I was I was really into it. And it is it's intense. It has a really good tempo because he's driving fast. He's going around the roundabout and going in circles and going in circles and definitely trying to see how Laura Lenny's going to react to trying to see how his wife is going to handle this. And she doesn't handle it too well. So <laughs> I love how far Kristoff and the production team has to go to derail Truman from the drive. Like, you know, the fucking forest fire and the nuclear disaster. <laughs> Just these outlandish, all that's doing is fueling his fire. All that's doing is proving to Truman that someone is stopping him from leaving this place. Yeah, there's a leak at the plant. <laughs> what plant? <laughs> and and, and the, my favorite little bit of that is when uh, Laura Lenny says that first. She says, oh, it must be a leak at the plant. And they pull over and the, the sheriff comes over. We had a leak at the plant. <laughs> it's so good. Such a good touch. And the, tr- the fucking sheriff, you know, calls him Truman. He, he fucks up. Truman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, this movie gives me chills just talking about it. These little moments where Jim Carrey has got the light bulb, you know, and he's so good at, at showing that he's realizing something. Fantastic. Yeah. I love the score. I thought it was really consistent. I thought like you said, there's triumphant bits that are, that really match what's going on. It kind of layers itself on top of each other, builds and builds and builds. And there's just some wacky stuff. So I, yeah, I, I think it's a little bit underrated, uh, a little bit underrated part of the movie altogether is the score. Yeah, I agree. It's bouncy where it needs to be, but it also reinforces some heavy dramatic moments. It's, it's an impressive score. Correct. Yeah. Now this next award, I feel like is just not even a contest. Um, the Philip Seymour Hoffman Award, this can happen sometimes where just there's not really a point in looking anywhere else. It's got to be Jim Carrey. Uh, he's, yeah, yeah he's, he's damn near perfect in this movie. And this is one of those where, you know, speaking on what we're opening the show up, which is talking about Jim Carrey, it, it's kind of what I think of when I think of best actor at the Oscars. It's like, this is the kind of performance. This is the, like, it has all the juice. This movie's fucking PG too. How, and how, how do they do that? How do, <laughs> how do they make this almost like wholesome? Like, what, I don't really understand. Uh, and Carrie has got to be a big reason why, you know, you have to point to him. His, the way he carries himself in this movie and how, how quickly he can just kind of like turn and, do different things and be wacky. I mean, at one point he's doing classic Jim Carrey stuff when he's, when he's gardening and he's just got his ass up with his, with his tight red pants on. You're just like, what? <laughs> and, and then he's able to do the super emotional stuff. Just, just an, an actor's actor's performance. You know, it's like just a, yeah. a perfect, perfect role. Well, like when, at the, you know, when we first see Truman and he's like, you know, talking in the mirror, like psyching himself up or when he, you know, says, you know, his catchphrase and he does that, like, like lean back yeah. and smile thing that only ah. Jim Carrey can do. It's it's Jim Carrey. And then at some point he wakes up. And I love that. It's watching, you know, fucking Ricky Ricardo realize he's in a sitcom. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. Oh, man. It's so nuanced, but 
there's so much pain behind it that you can you can see that Jim Carrey's he, like Truman is so hurt by this. He's so hurt by everyone in his life keeping this secret from him by somebody trying to you know keep him in a fucking biodome his whole life. And you can see that not only is he pissed, he's hurt. And I love that Jim Carrey was able to kind of bring that to it because th- this could have just been a straight up comedy. But I'm so glad they took the dramatic route with it. And I wonder who's like, I wonder if this started out as a comedy. Yeah, I, I wonder, definitely, you know, Andrew Nichol writing it, you, you wonder if, and you wonder if Peter Weir like saw the script and was like, hold on, I think there, I think there's something here, like something really here. I wonder how that all happened. And then to cast Jim Carrey. Yeah. I think, let's see, Liar Liar is 1997. Like what a, what a wild ass, crazy, awesome decision. Yeah. to give him a go like you know what? i think we're gonna go with jim carrey one of the wackiest dudes of the whole decade i think we're gonna give him a go uh you know and he's yeah he just shatters this performance and this, so good it's what it's this has been one of the easiest uh pshs <laughs> to give out yeah and you gotta remember like this was not you know early 2000s i'm gonna experiment jim carrey this was highest grossing box office star in the fucking world jim carrey yeah who had yeah. everything to lose. And he went you know, for an experimental role like this. And it, I think it did fundamentally change his career and give him a, a trajectory that we never would have gotten. If we would never have gotten Man on the Moon or Eternal Sunshine or anything mm. else he did that was like on the fringe if he hadn't done the Truman Show. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree with that. You know, one, I, just like a movie can kind of change things, one role one performance can change everything for you. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think we are, we're in the middle of it right here. This is 1998, the Truman show. I, I think he was, he was born in 62. So he's 36 years old. Just at the very, very peak of his powers. Um, it's, it's, it's this man. Of the, this is the, the, that's the best stuff he's ever done. So it's just been a treat to be able to talk about him. Oh yeah. This has been- he may not win an Oscar, but he won a fucking PSH. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Love Beautiful. it. Um, here we are at the last one. I'm very curious to hear what you picked because this was bloody difficult. Um, the Roger Deakins, uh, you know, of course, we're looking at best scene of the movie. Oh, well, th- this movie flows so well that it makes it, makes it very difficult to kind of point at one thing, uh, yeah. at least for me. I don't know about you. I agree. It took it took a while, but I had to go with my gut. And to me, it is the the ending when Truman sails to the edge of the earth and puts his hand up against the edge of the fucking sky and is like, I'm trapped and has this like moment of like, what now? And then Christoph talks to him and says, like, you know, basically, like, you are my creation and you will, you know. You can't live outside this place. You don't know how he discourages him. And Truman's like, oh, yeah, fuck you. And walks through the door out of spite, almost like, how dare you? Who who the hell are you to tell me how to live? Like, yeah, ugh. yeah, I, I, I'm right with you. I wrote down the finale. <laughs> uh, one, one of my very, very favorite shots in any movie of all time is the overhead shot of the water. Very calm over the and then there's a ledge and then his boat is against the wall because it kind of broke through it and then yeah him walking down 
That is one of the most beautiful, brilliant, well-timed, well-deserved shots I've ever seen. Just, ugh, like, just really, this is, this is why I watch movies, you know, is for moments like that. I, I love a lot of random shit, but like, I love good stuff too. You know, I, I can, I can get down with, with something really weird and bizarre and different, but when something like does it right, does it correctly and entertains me, blows me away, makes me cry, gives me performances I will never forget. It, it, it's so deserving of its finale. And I do think it's the best scene. And when he looks back that turn, that's one of the best, you know, that's a thing that's been done over and over and over and will continue to be done in film is when you have a still shot of someone and they turn around, you know, it can be, it can be used for so many different things, but for this, it's literally him looking back at his God and saying, no, I'm my God and I'm getting the hell out of here. <laughs> Cause that's exactly what I would want to do. That's exactly what I would hope you would do or anybody I love because like you, you finally can take hold of your life, but Jesus put yourself in this guy's shoes. I don't know if I'd be able to do it that easily. You know, you're like, wait, maybe he's right. I don't know what the hell's out there. That's, that's fucking scary. <laughs> the icing on the cake is the, the bow. Oh, like, oh dude. The show is over. Yeah. It's beautiful. And I, haven't I been good? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been great TV. Haven't I? Yes. I, yeah. And I think, you know, we got to remember, like, he steps out that door. He's the most famous human being on earth. Truman Burbank. Yeah, and, has, and, yeah. and they give you that, that little bit where, uh, shit, what's the girl's name that's interested in us? Uh, Sylvia? Yeah. She, she, she's like, a, she lives in Hollywood. So she is like, and that's where it is. So she is running to him. So he's, he's about to like reconnect with her and his life. Yeah, like you said, he's about to be on every magazine cover and super popular. Ellen's going to be like, yo, I want you on my show. You know, like he's going to get the full, the full package of, of being like American royalty because, <laughs> because he, he escaped this crazy thing. But then, you know, shame on everybody for not like, if, if I knew about this, if we knew about this, I would gather as many fans as I can and go straight to that fucking dome and protest. Be like, you've got to get this guy out of here. Uh, but people just like went along with it. Well, you see, like, you know, protest signs on Sylvia's wall. Like, there is a movement to free Truman. Like, there is. We just don't see it. Yeah, it's not strong enough. I, 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 I that, yeah, I, I would think that there would be some group of people that would be like, uh, let's go in there and fucking steal him, steal him back, because this is crazy. Oh, you know, Kristoff is turning the fire hoses on those people. You know, he is. Yeah. Yeah. He's got all the control in the world. Yeah. And how does he, who gives him the okay to do this? You know? Yeah. I wonder that. Like who whose idea was this? How did this come about? Like what it, legalities did they have to climb through? Yeah, because because he I believe he adopts him, right? He adopted him as a baby. That's what they say. He so was the first baby adopted by a corporation. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So you have that, but I just yeah, I just find it hard. They're they're like logistically, I'm like, man, there's gotta be some more hoops to go through, but I don't know. I mean, surely this violates so, I mean, as a child filming every moment of his life without his knowledge, you're going to film some, some interest, you know, some bad shit that's going to yeah. go out on national television. I don't just, there's a lot to, uh, to process with the Truman show, a lot of implications, a lot of, you know, scenarios that must have happened. Mm -hmm. It's, it's frightening. 
Like you oh, mentioned it, earlier, it, like it is a, practically a horror movie. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, it's totally frightening. It, it really, what we were talking about earlier, like it would probably work so fucking well as a TV show because you could go into those little, you could go into those little things, you know, uh, you could really have an episode about his neighbors and who they are, why they're actors, you know, they're people. I would love to see where does Laura Lenny go when she's like off, like like maybe does she have some off time where she can like go back to her real home outside the dome? You know, I'd love to see that stuff. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Another thing, like you sign up to play Truman's wife, that's a lifetime commitment. Like you yeah. don't. I mean, they were gonna they were gonna have a baby. Like that was the plan. Like Kristoff's whole plan is to like have the first ever like on screen like conception yeah gosh what the fuck and laura linney's like yeah sign me up like how fat was her check i want to know had to be crazy being a you know main cast member on the truman show yeah yeah and and then and then you know you they they talked about how there's been cast members who are like try to fuck everything up like that's hilarious like that's what you and i would do would be like dude let's go try out for the truman show we'll become two extras and we'll just walk up dude it's fake (laughs) The I love guy. that little scene at Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> Truman, it's on TV. Oh my God, I'm here. Oh. It's a Truman show. <laughs> and they like they like run and get him out of there real quick. God, so good. That little stuff. They really, you know, as much shit as I was talking about TV earlier. You you really could stretch this out to be so fucking funny, and and even more, you know, emotional, even darker at times. So it's just a it's a great place to, to go with your mind and just think for a little while and just be inside this idea. I'm very grateful for uh, this episode and being able to talk about this movie. It, it is, it is amazing. It's, it's a 10 in my book and I don't see it going anywhere. Beautiful. Um, it's still an eight for me, but it's a strong eight. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a very good film, very dramatic film, funny film. It's got pretty much everything. And um it's one of those films you'll never really stop thinking about. Because like I said, yeah. there's so much you don't see in this film that definitely happened. Yeah. It's, yeah. I would love to see like a, what, you know, what happened after the Truman show, you know, how did Truman handle like, his worldwide fame? Did he resent all the viewers who never helped him? Like what does Kristoff do? Did he screw Truman out of residuals or something? Like mm. so many questions. Yeah. God, I love it. I love it. Fantastic. Oh, so next week we're ending our 90s run. Yes, we are. Uh, this has been, this has gone by really fucking fast. Um, we did Toy Story. We did Awakenings. We did What's Eating Gilbert Grape. And today we got to talk about the Truman Show. So next week it's finally time. Finally time to wrap up the 90s. Uh, we'll move on to a new decade after that. But we, we got a big old Best Picture Showdown. Uh, very intense. So on the show, let's see. We've covered uh, 1990. We've done Awakenings. 1991, we've done shit. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, Boys in the Hood. Um, what am I forgetting? Um, I feel like we've done something else from 1991. Maybe I'm mistaken. Uh, 93... What's in Gilbert Grape? 94, we did Pulp Fiction. Um, we did Boogie Nights for an episode, 1997. We did uh, Truman Show here, 1998. Uh, we've done Fight Club, 1999. And, you know, that leaves, that leaves 1992. So, next week, come back and join us for a Best Picture Showdown featuring the 65th Academy Awards Best Picture nominees. 
Scent of a Woman, Howard's End, A Few Good Men, The Crying Game, and the winner, Unforgiven. Oh, boy. Yeah, I cannot wait. I've barely gotten started on my homework for this. Uh, I got some movies to watch this week. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm very, very excited. Um, these are some movies that are, are quite serious and are going to require our full attention. Next week is going to be intense. We're going to be ranking those movies. Uh, we'll be giving out awards to Unforgiven, the winner. We're finally going to talk about Clint Eastwood at great length. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very excited. Uh, you know, motherfucking Gene Hackman wins best supporting actor for Unforgiven. So yeah, we're, we're in pretty cool territory next week. And uh, we've been, we've had this planned out the entire time, this nineties run, we knew we were going to be doing this. And I know we're both, we're both just chomping at the bit to get at it. I think this is only our second Western, right? I knew. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, you know, hard one to beat. Uh, Yeah. I think, I think that's right. Oh, this is going to be a blast. I haven't seen Unforgiven in years. Uh, Me neither, dude. Like, like same amount of time as Truman Show, like four or five years. Yeah. Oh, last. Yeah. I watched it. I was still doing my undergrad. Like it was that long ago. Fuck. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. I'm super stoked. And yeah, we get, yeah. The crying game. Come on. Few good men. What the hell? Howard's end and scent of a woman. There's just a lot to talk about. Ah, So, so excited. Um, Finally going to get some context for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, this week on the Filmgasm podcast, Josh and I are tackling the Shudder exclusive film Psycho Gorman from earlier this year. And on sneak preview, uh, I know Space Jam 2 came out, but it's dog shit. So we're going to talk Nicolas Cage's... <laughs> Uh, we'll talk about Space Jam 2, obviously, but it ain't going to be the focus. We're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You can go somewhere else for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pig getting raving reviews. Uh, people are saying it's one of Nicolas Cage's greatest performances, that him leaving Hollywood was like the best thing he ever did for his career. So, Pig, I'm excited. Hell yeah, man. And then uh, Giggle Guys have episode 20 coming up uh, this upcoming Friday. And uh, I, I, I will be on that one. So I'm quite excited. I've only been on one Giggle Guys episode and it was super bad. I'm coming back for Step Brothers. So, <laughs> so, so uh, two of my favorite comedies of the 2000s and two of my favorite comedies, period. So I'm really excited to go back and hang out with them and talk some comedy. Because, uh, you know, this, th- these movies, I, I, I think the main thing you and I connect on is it doesn't matter what genre it is. If it breaks through to my heart, it breaks through to my heart. And oh. Step Brothers is Step Brothers in my mind and in my heart is just as important as the Truman Show. It is so fucking good. I can't wait to talk about it. Fuck yeah. It's the goddamn Catalina wine mixer. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I'm, that's going to be a blast for you guys. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> awesome. This was fun. Uh, the Truman Show, great movie. I'm glad we could add it to the catalog. Uh, looking forward to Unforgiven and then our next uh, decade jaunt. This is a fun yeah. format. We're definitely getting a lot out of this. Yeah, yeah. I, f- I feel like it's so far it's worked in our favor for sure as far as just kind of, uh, you know, we're always watching a shit ton of stuff, but it is good to have this consistency of, oh, I'm staying here for at least a month. I, 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 I've, I've been digging that. I've been digging staying within a decade even though we do these other podcasts, we do these other shows and watch different movies. 
you know, when you're in an Oscar frame of mind, you're trying to look at one decade for at least a month. And that's, that's been good. Hell yeah. Uh, Take it easy. Have a good week and we will see you next time. Thank you.